0: It's a constant battle to choose faith over fear but remembering what God has carried us through helps put that back into focus for us. We have to make a conscious effort daily to spend time together and putting time into us and overcome what could have been an easy out. I firmly believe that's what God wanted for us.
1: Yeah, Cancer has uh, greatly impacted our family. We. We worry now if our daughter Mia gets a common cold or she's coughing, you know, it's, we know that it's nothing and kids are gonna get sick and with her, it's just a little bit different.
0: I think we continue to deal with tragedy in my family. Uh, We're going through it again with my sister who was just diagnosed with cervical cancer shortly after Mia was cleared. She has had it come back two times and she's not doing so good this time. And it makes you wonder, again, that that test of faith um, and and ask that question, why? And haven't we had enough? I really believe that God prepared me for what we went through with Mia, what we had to endure with her by what we went through with my parents and now my sister and learning how to cope with terrible situations. It's kind of hard to look at it that way, but looking back, um, it, I think it's made me the person I am today. I no longer take normal for granted and little things really don't bother me. It really has put our life into perspective. Really? Except it. draw What color, baby? Blue.
1: I feel that what the the two of us have been through in our marriage has made us a stronger couple. I believe it's going to help us get through other things in life that may come up. We're going to continue having struggles like everybody else does. Um, everybody's going through it. Nobody's perfect. We're we're not, but we know that God works in mysterious ways. We've already seen that. But I think as as Christians, sometimes we've forget that, and we ask questions. I'm guilty of it, you know, we sit around and say, why me, why them, really, um, enough already. We say these things, but what we really should be saying is thank you, thank you for everything that you've given us, and thank you for the time that we've had together. And I don't, I don't think I, I say that enough, but going through what we've been through, I've definitely learned to be more thankful.
2: I'm so grateful for Justin and Gina's transparency, allowing us to get a glimpse into their story of enough. Because what it does reminds us we're not alone, reminds us that we're not the only one. And as many of you have gathered in your groups through this series to discuss what we're learning together, Again, reminders, hey, I'm not the only one. And no, they're not going through what you're going through, but no, you're not going through what they're going through. And from time to time, the paths cross and we can relate to each other, but the truth is we're not in this alone. And that's good news. And hopefully in this series, that's what you've experienced. Now, this series called Enough is um, challenging it explains why a lot of people are struggling with God. It's why a lot of non-Christians are struggling. It's why a lot of Christians are struggling and discouraged and frustrated because maybe you're going through something in your life right now or just come out of something or you're getting ready to go through something where you're going to be screaming, enough, I've had it, I can't do this anymore, stop. Please, God, stop it. Please, somebody, do something. You know what that is in your life. What we're going to talk about today is getting into that moment and discovering one of the greatest benefits of knowing and trusting God. It involves a change in your perspective. It involves a change in your attitude, a change in your thinking that actually uncovers a much bigger picture. Let me get into it. By, uh, let's admit something together. We we all struggle with this question of why. I mean, you're going through something right now and and at least at some area of your life, you're asking this question, why, 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 why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why again? Why more? Why just something else? Why does it have to keep just one thing after another? You fill in the blank. Why, 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 why? You know, there's nothing wrong with asking this question. There's nothing wrong with asking why to God. It's normal, it's natural. I've heard people say it, I've heard Christians say it, I've heard people in church say, well, you're not supposed to ask why. I know you're not supposed to ask why. I know God doesn't want us to ask why. Like, where'd you get that? Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us. Nowhere does God say, don't you ask why. Because God created us to ask why. We're inquisitive people. God created us curious minds and we ask questions and we want to know and we want to understand why this, why that, what happens if I stick my finger in that, you know, you see what I'm saying? I mean, we figure stuff out, take it apart. We're inquisitive. And so when bad things happen, we go, why? When we ask why, it's, it's, it's just really about survival because we're experiencing something threatening. We're just trying to survive it's about self-preservation, really. When we ask why, we're seeking comfort. We're seeking answers. That's normal. It's natural. Because if we figured out we could get answers to whatever we're going through, we'll fix it and prevent it from happening to us again, right? That's why we ask why. Well, we to figure this thing out so I can stop this mess. I'll figure this out. If I figure this out, I'll fix it. I'm a fixer. I'll fix it and we'll prevent this and I won't have to go through this again. Why is normal. Why is natural, but you got to be careful with why. You know why you got to be careful with why? Because if you get lost in why, if you get consumed in the why, if you get overwhelmed with the why and you get stuck at why, it'll turn you into a whiner. (laughs) All right. And you heard it here first. Yeah, it just happens. Because we struggle with this demand to understand, and it's normal, it's natural. I want to understand. i got all these blanks in my life, and I want God to start filling them in. I've got all these holes in my life. i got all these spaces in my life where I've got question marks, and I want God to start filling in the blanks in a way that I can understand. The demand to understand. We've talked about that in this series. In week two, we saw where... A guy named Job struggled with the demand to understand, and it's all normal. But you know what we learned in this series? Just to remind us, there's some things that you're just not going to get an explanation for. On this side of heaven, there are some things that we're just not going to know. There is a limit to what I can understand and what you can understand. God tells us this very clearly. One of the most famous parts of the Old Testament was written by King Solomon. Proverbs chapter 3. Thousands of years ago, we're told to trust in the Lord. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Notice, he did not say, don't you try to understand. No, he said, just don't depend on it because it's going to come up short. Don't depend on your ability to understand why and to connect all the dots and fill in all the blanks because there's going to come a time when you're going to come up short. So that's why he said, trust in the Lord, trust in me and don't lean on, don't depend on, don't put all your eggs in the basket of your own ability to understand what's going on in your life when you've had enough because there's a bigger picture than what you can see and what you know. There's a bigger picture than what I can see and what I know. And God wants us to train our minds and train our thinking to trust his bigger picture. And here's how you do it. You move past the why to the what. It's real simple to say it can be challenging to pull it off. Why is normal, why is natural, why is where we all begin. But you got to move past why and get to the what. That's a choice, and you have to be intentional about it to move past the questions that just say why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why again and move past that to begin asking questions like this. God, what Am I supposed to be learning? What am I supposed to understand? And what am I not? What do you want me to do with this? You see the difference? To push through the why moments, because those are normal and natural, but don't stay there and get to the what. It's an attitude and perspective change that all of us need. But this is the truth. What is big picture thinking not why but what when you're considering the what then you're beginning to think about the bigger picture what's the end goal what's the end game god what's the purpose what are you doing in my life that i need to clue into what do you want to teach me what do you want to show me because here's the deal when it comes to enough most of the time there's little you can do about it whatever's going on in your life whatever crap is happening in your life There's very little you can do about it, but there's much you can do with it. Now think about it, the difference. There's little you can do about it most of the time, but there's always much you can do in it. There's little you can do about it, but there's always much you can do because of it. See, it's moving past the why is this happening to what, God, are you doing in my life because of it? Because there's always much to learn. There's always much to experience. There's always room for growth. There's always the need for maturity. And those things occur during enough moments. Remember last week when we talked about limbo? When you're in that in-between That can just drive you crazy, like enough. And we talked about how we are made in that middle place. We're made in the middle. That's where God forms our character, that's where our heart is strengthened. That's where spiritual maturity takes place, is in that icky, sticky middle. That's why you got to get past the why and get to the what so you can begin learning. God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to know? Because there are some things that God wants to show you, and there are some things that God wants to do in your life, and there are some ways that God wants to bless you that he can only do through enough moments where you've just had it. Because when you begin to ask, what are you doing in my life through this, God, you are joining God in considering the bigger picture, the bigger picture, because God's committed to the bigger picture, while you and I are often content to be committed to the now, See, that's my problem. That's your problem. We're thinking now, now, I don't like this. This hurts. This is not good. This is painful. Get this out of my life. And we're focused on the now, today, what this is happening right now in front of me. And God is always committed to the bigger picture. Asking the question, what, God, allows us to join him in the bigger picture. See, if you're God and you're not, and I'm not, so this is, just consider this with me. You basically have two choices if you're God when it comes to this enough thing in our lives. Option number one, God can choose, he could choose to make your life and my life temporarily better in this temporary place called earth. That's one option. Sounds pretty good, huh? Or option number two, to allow temporary pain to achieve eternal good. Option number one, to make your life temporarily better because there's going to be something else that comes down the road, right? But he can take care of that problem like we want. We're focused on the now and and, and we're leaning and we're depending on what we can understand. So we're like now, fix it now, take it away now and that's normal, that's natural. Why is this happening to me? God could fix that temporarily now in this temporary place called earth because you're going to die eventually. Eventually, Or God could allow temporary pain to accomplish eternal good because everybody lives forever somewhere else than here. See, God's much more committed to the bigger picture than he is our temporary comfort. And I don't like that a lot of times. And you don't like that a lot of times, but it's true. He's much more committed to the long-term bigger picture in your life than he is your temporary comfort. And I know some of you are thinking, well, he's God, he could do anything you want to. Couldn't he do both? Couldn't God teach me what I needed to know and make it comfortable? Couldn't God work on my character and make it fun and easy? Yes, that's theoretically possible, but remember, there are some things, this is true, there are some things that God wants to show you that God wants to do in your life, and some ways God wants to bless you that can only be experienced through times of enough. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I had some uh, heart problems, and I'm fine. Um, and, I, and it's crazy, huh, that somebody in their 20s would go through that. <laughs> I, I was surprised, too. And so I, I, they do the whole workup thing, and, and, and this is not new to a lot of people in this room, um, They wanted to do this thing called a stress test, and it's a very common test. Basically, the bottom line is they hook you up to all these wires, and they put you on a treadmill and tell you to run. It's very hard to run with wires. It's very hard to run. But but the whole point is they want to see what your heart does under stress. Now, think about how idiotic this is. Can 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 you be with me just a moment? You got heart problems. So we're going to stress this thing we're going to put it under an enormous amount of stress and we're going to run you till you think you're going to die, sucking oxygen, sweating. And we're going to, don't worry, uh, Pastor Robbins, we'll be here the whole time. Okay, great. So you'll watch me die. That's comforting. <laughs> That's great. Yeah? All right, so we're going to stress your heart, get this, on purpose. Why? To reveal a bigger issue. To reveal a bigger issue and prevent a bigger problem than the temporary stress you're having to endure in that moment on that treadmill. It's called a heart attack, y'all, which is a much big honking deal than the moment I can't make it through this stress test. Surgery is the same way. Have you ever thought about the whole concept of surgery? It's pretty simple. Also very crazy. Oh, you're hurting? Oh, you have a problem down inside your body somewhere. So we're going to cause another problem first. We're going to cut you and you're going to bleed and it's going to cause pain and there's going to be recovery, maybe weeks of it. You're not going to go to work for a long time. You're not going to be able to lift anything over five pounds, blah, 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 blah. We're going to disrupt your life with all of this pain and suffering because there's a bigger problem underneath the surface that you can't see that you don't know about. And if we don't get to that, So we're willing to put you through temporary pain to get to the bigger issue. If we can take care of the bigger issue, then all of this other temporary stuff will have been good for you. We're going somewhere. will have been good for you in the end. See, God does very much the same kind of stuff. He allows us to get to those enough moments, and sometimes he even causes them, because he wants to address something in your life. And see, that's what the what is all about. I get, you know, on the treadmill of life. God, why? God, why? God, why? God, why is this hurting? Why am I being operated on? God says, well, that's not the best question. The best question is, what are you doing? And God, help me see the what. Help me embrace the what. Because the what is good for me. The what is is good for you it's good for us now if i'm if i'm depending on my own understanding instead of trusting in his bigger picture i don't get that i don't like that that's why trust is so important let me show you what this looks like in the first century the the apostle paul was writing to a group of christians in rome and he was talking about the bigger picture He was talking about the bigger picture that God is up to in the world and on the planet. And I mean, and he's talking about a much bigger picture than what we're talking about now. But he deals with this issue of us encountering things that are hard and painful. And I want to show you something and talk about this part of the New Testament because it's one of the most misunderstood and misapplied parts of the entire New Testament. I mean, people butcher this thing and misunderstand it and use it in all kinds of different ways that are God never intended for it to be used. And it also uncovers one of the greatest benefits of knowing and following God. Some of you may recognize this. And if you, this is new to you, you're going to be like, that's weird. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Let's read that yellow part again. God causes, it's not an accident. It's not coincidence. It's not a, well, who knew? God did. God causes everything. Everything that happens to you, God causes it to work together for the good. Now let that sit there just a second, okay? Immediately we think, good? Good? This ain't good. What I'm going through is not good. Doesn't feel good, doesn't look good, doesn't smell good. It's not good. Everything about this is bad. Everything about this feels wrong. I don't see, and I hear people say it all the time I don't see any good. I don't see how any good could be in this or come out of this. I'm with you. I've been there, and some of you are there right now. Good? He didn't say that it all is good. He didn't say that everything that happens to you is going to be good to you. No. He said it's all going to be good for you. There's a difference. By the way, we got to get honest about what our definition of good is too, right? Because we don't, we all assume that It's good. If it's good for me, it's good, right? It's only good if it's good for me. I can't speak to what's good for you. I just know what's good for me. But don't we also know that there's a God level and it makes sense that God has a view of things, a bigger picture of what good is for me and you that maybe you and I don't see and we don't understand. It's like the difference between what a parent knows and a two-year-old knows. A two-year-old understands good, cookie, good. Three cookies, really good. Ten cookies, whenever I want them, awesome. Parent knows, one cookie, that's good. Three cookies, ah, ten cookies, oh no, that's going to end badly. (laughs) Right? And so the parent goes, no. The two-year-old goes, what? But it's good, and the parent understands that not everything is good for the two-year-old is really good for the two-year-old. Just because it's good to the two-year-old doesn't mean it's good for the two-year-old. Don't we know that, parents? And even if you're not a parent, you've been to, You know what this is like. <laughs> not everything that is good to us is good for us. And just because we can't see that it's good to me doesn't mean that God and his sovereignty won't eventually figure out a way to work it all together to make it good for you. And that's the promise That God is taking it all, all of the crap, all the junk, all the mess, and he's working it together so that when it's all said and done, it will have been good for you. You will look back and go, I'm glad I had that surgery. I'm glad I endured the recovery. I'm glad I had that stress test. I ain't looking forward to the next one. But I'm so thankful because it's worth it. It's moving to what? It's pushing past the why. I know what you're thinking. I think the same thing. Well, when is it going to be good? I want to know when. When's it going to be good? I can't tell you that. God has a timetable that often you and I are not privy to. But this is what he said. I love this. What shall we say then about such wonderful things? That God is working all things together for the good, okay? He's working it all together. When it's all said and done, it's going to be good. Then what should we say about these wonderful things? If God is for us... (laughs) Who can be against us? If God is for you, for me, even when it doesn't feel like it, seem like it, look like it, if God is for your ultimate good, then there's nothing that can happen to stop that and there's no one that can stop that. Are you with me on this? Are you hearing this? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with, but God is committed to the bigger picture of taking all of that mess and all of that junk and crap in your life that you wish you could just like, why, why, why? And God say, okay, enough and take it away. But for whatever reason, God has allowed it. So now you're pushing why the, the past the why to the what and you're saying, God, what? What are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to achieve? And now you're beginning to see that God will take all of this stuff, even though you don't know how or when, God will take all this stuff and achieve something awesome in your life because of it. It'll be good for you. And if he's committed to that process, the ultimate good, nobody can stop it. Nobody can can get in the way of that. That's good news. So I want you to think about the enough situation you're going through and remember what we've learned. It's a process. God is still working. He's not done in you and he's not done around you. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, it will be good for you. Here's the deal. Nobody's going to get to heaven in eternity future and pull Jesus over to the side and say, Jesus, 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 bless your heart. <laughs> that 2017, you remember back in 2017? Can you remember back then? Jesus, Jesus. I think you got that wrong. What were you thinking, God? No. You know what's going to happen? We're going to stand before the throne of God with one conclusion. That through it all, he does all things well. And we're going to look back and go, I don't know how he did it. (laughs) I don't know how he did it. I do not know how he took all that mess and did all this, but he did. Hey, if you want proof that that's the kind of God he is, all you have to do is look at Jesus and his death on the cross. There could not have been a bigger enough moment for the world and for Jesus. I mean, Jesus got right to the point of where he knew he was gonna be crucified and his humanity was crying out, God, is there another way? This is going to be hard. Just this is going to be the most incredibly difficult thing imaginable. God, are you sure this is the right way? His humanity crying out. Yet, because he was also divine, he did it. But if you were his followers back then, it was an enough moment. Enough of this. This is all wrong. This is not good. This is horribly wrong. And yet, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that ultimate enough moment, Nothing has achieved more good than that. You see it? Nothing has been more good for you. Nothing has been more good for the world. Nothing has been more good for history and eternity. Eternity hangs on that moment. It was enough, like, oh, this is horrible. And yet God has achieved eternal good through it. That's why you got to move past the why to the what. God, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to show me? What are you wanting to teach me? How are you wanting to use this in my life? What do you want me to do with it? It's as if we need to get to our enough moment and choose to flip it. Not flip it off, even though that may feel like what you want to do. Okay? Flip it, you know. Instead of being overwhelmed with the why, flip it to consider the what. One of the funniest stories um, as a dad and for our family, and I know you got funny stories for your kids too, but I got the mic. So, (laughs) it was with our little, our youngest daughter, Maggie, when she was about two and a half, three years old. The kid loved chicken legs. Chicken legs, love it, love it. She could just eat several. She loved the stuff. We were having dinner one night. We're all sitting there, and all of a sudden, Maggie, I could just see it as if it happened 30 seconds ago. Maggie paused. She looked up, and she said, hey, somebody put a stick in my chicken. So for the first time, she realized there's an inedible object attached to this thing. Somebody put a stick in my chicken. Immediately, without missing a beat, Donna flipped that situation for her. You moms are so awesome, how you know how to do this kind of stuff. I just sat in awe of this moment. Donna said, no, that's not a stick, that's a handle. <laughs> and Maggie, Maggie went, yeah, it's a handle, <laughs> and just went on. Now, had Donna said, technically, babe, that's a bone. They killed the chicken, cut its head off. There was blood everywhere. Then they yanked the legs off, and we cooked it in here. Enjoy. She would have, it would have ruined her. She still wouldn't You know, be all, you know, still wouldn't be good. It would ruin her. No. What'd she do? She flipped that moment. Took something that seemed to be an obstacle. Somebody put in an ed- ed- edible object, a stick, in my chicken leg. And, and, and it, no, it's actually a way to hold the chicken. It's a handle. God is so cool. Right? She flipped it. So that's exactly what you and I need to do when we're overwhelmed with the why, is flip it, flip it to the what. It doesn't mean the why won't be painful. It doesn't mean the why still won't bring you to the point of I don't understand and you're struggling with a demand to understand and for God to fill in the blanks. I get it. But you have to move past that to the what. And let me give you some things to consider. And when I fill up the screen at the end, you might want to take a picture of this and think through it this week. Move past the why, whatever you're going through, and get to the what. It could be that God wants you, that here's the what, to help someone because of what you're going through. Could be. Now I get it. When you've hurt bad enough, you're like, the last thing I want to do is help anybody. I just want to be out of this mess. I don't want to help nobody. I want to help myself. But it could be, the bigger picture is, God has allowed you to go through this surgery, this stress test in your life, because he's wanting you to help somebody else that's going to go through the very same thing that without you, they may not make it. Could be. Maybe somebody you know, maybe somebody you've not even met yet. It may be that God is wanting to prepare you for something that you don't see and that you don't know. Prepare you. Remember how we talked about last week that God sees our lives from beginning to end. He sees the beginning and the end all at once. He knows exactly where you've been. He sees where you are and he knows where you're going. Here's the cool thing. That's the only part I don't see. And it's not real cool. A lot of times it's like, oh, I've seen where I've been and I see where I am. I have no idea what's coming up next, but God knows that. That's what's so cool about it. He sees it. And so God knows how to prepare us for what we don't know and what we don't see. It could be that's the what for you. God, what are you preparing me for? Now, sometimes you get that answer real quick, and sometimes it takes time to develop. It's a process before the aha moment comes. What are you preparing me for? Here's another possible what? He might be protecting you from something that's even worse. The stress test is protecting you from the heart attack. The surgery is protecting you from dying, from whatever it is they're trying to get out of you or fix. That's why parents take their precious little babies to the doctor and let the doctor stick shiny metal objects in their arms, legs, and buttocks. Why would you do that? Because the parent has a perspective of knowing, I'm going to let them stick the sharp object in you to protect you from something far worse down the road. The disease is much worse than the shot. That's what we know. Maybe that's why God... Is allowing you to endure this shot or this series of shots because he's trying to protect you from something. He said, Well, what is it? Well, that's the nature of it. You don't know. What? It may be God's wanting to grow you, teaching you patience, teaching you integrity, teaching you gratefulness. I don't know. He's wanting to grow you and mature you, and there's nothing quite like hardship and pain to grow you. That's why the what is so important. Hey, you know, for some people and for some of you, do you know what the what is? It's for you to just get through it. That's the objective. The objective of what you're going through right now is simply for you to survive it. That's it. Well, That doesn't sound very spiritual. Yeah, but see, God's not finished yet. And some things, God doesn't fill in all the blanks for you immediately when you want it. Sometimes things have to develop. And so God just wants you to hang on and get through it because later on, he's going to connect the dots. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've experienced that very thing where I've gone through things, endured things, and barely survived in my mind, you know, barely made it through it. And I'm thinking, what was that? I I have no explanations. And then years later, I go, oh, he does all things well. He works everything together for the good. Now, it wasn't good to me, but it ended up being good for me. Sometimes it's just get through it. Some just hang on long enough to see the end. And regardless of what you're going through, and regardless of why you're screaming why, I can promise you the what that God wants all of us to experience is that Jesus is enough when you've had enough. And here we are right back where we started in this series. Jesus, ultimately, is enough when you've had it. And there's so much to learn, and there's so many ways to grow, and there's so many awesome things that we will only get to experience as we experience that Jesus is enough when we've had it. Let me pray for you that God will help you embrace the what. Our Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you for being patient with us and for telling us how these things work. And I have questions. We all have questions. There are people in this room that still have questions about the why You told us we're not going to get a complete picture in our own understanding. And so that's why we've got to trust you and trust the what. So may we shift to the what and get past the why to consider what are you doing and what are you teaching us and what are you showing us. And maybe what are you preparing us for, protecting us from, how you want to grow us. Or maybe you just want us to hang on and get through it long enough to discover that Jesus is enough when we've had enough. The wonderful thing is that your love for us never fails. You never give up. You're not walking out and you're not done. So we trust you. We hold on to you, the God who is enough for us. In Jesus' name, amen.